From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. Wallet Watch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games, delivering financial topics in a fun and interesting way. I'm one of your hosts, Amanda. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Devante. We're so glad you're here. As a disclaimer, due to social distancing guidelines and keeping us all at home safely, we have recorded this episode virtually and sound quality may be impacted. As we continue our conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it is important for us to have conversations with individuals from multiple industries. Today, we are venturing into the higher education arena. Higher education is an important industry for DEI because the leaders of tomorrow are sitting in these classes and walking these campuses. We have Glenn McIntosh here with us today. He is the Senior Vice President for Student Affairs and Chief Diversity Officer of Oakland University. Hey, Glenn. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Lindsay. And so it's good to see you and hear from you. Thanks. You too. So to get us started, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and give us some highlights of your journey? Oh, wow. Okay, I can. Uh, Again, my name is Glenn McIntosh, and I currently serve as the Senior Vice President for Student Affairs, as well as the Chief Diversity Officer at Open University located in Rochester, Michigan. And I guess my journey um, in higher education goes back many, many years to my, you know, probably youth years in that I was raised in, um, in what you would call, you know, low socioeconomic status, uh, communities. Um, and to me, what I saw was that uh, education was the only legitimate avenue to upward mobility. And so I thought, you know, the more that I could embrace the art and science of learning, um, the more I could change my condition, the condition of my family, uh, and the condition of my community. And so um, I always enjoyed school. And when it came to the point um, of thinking about college, it really wasn't an option. But then people began to avail themselves to me. And I had a chance to learn about different um, scholarships and other opportunities to afford college. And I was always appreciative that people, you know, walked into my life and said, hey, here are some ways that you can make your dream come true. And I embraced that, went off to undergrad experience. Um, There was, you know, a little diversity back then in the late 70s, but I'm pretty outgoing, uh, as you probably can tell. Uh, (laughs) And I just bounced all around campus um, to the different groups in in different, you know, racial groups, ethnic group, cultural groups, people just embraced me. Um, and, you know, maybe it was the fact that I was lost and they knew it, but they wanted me to have a good experience and finish the mission, which was to get a degree. But in the process, uh, I met so many people who pulled me into experiences. And one of those experiences was student leadership. And so I became an orientation group leader, a resident advisor, um, student body president, you know, along with being a student athlete. And these just 
allowed me to meet so many people. And the common denominator that I found, you know, Lindsay and Amanda and Devontae was that all people are reaching for something more than what they have. And all of us need help. And I just love the idea of being a helper to people because I was lost when I arrived in higher education as that, you know, 17 and a half year old student. And so the feeling of being a student leader just resonated with me and lived it out and entered higher education as a career field uh, and worked at, you know, multiple universities, everything from housing to academic advising and then um, dean of students and then migrated to vice president and then the position I'm currently in now, senior vice president, chief diversity officer. So that's been kind of like my, my journey, but you know, that path has allowed me to come in contact with people, interact with people and have a big database of people that I call, you know, friends. Uh, and I call a lot of those people, you know, like Devontae, my kids. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, just a little background. So, of course, I went to Oakland University and one of the first faces that I saw coming into OU was, uh, as we affectionately call him, VP Mac. And um, definitely was a mentor to me throughout my years at OU. And um, so when he says he truly is there for to help people and has helped people, it's definitely uh, most people that have attended OU at some point can attest to that. So um, to kind of get started with our questions, how did you come to be in your current position? Well, prior to coming to Oakland University, I had a chance uh, at another institution to start what was called a Minority Peer Advisor Program in housing. And the goal of that program was to really help underrepresented students um, to really get through some of the unknown variables, obstacles, and challenges that present themselves in higher education. You know, everything from academic success to financial literacy, um, student engagement, and student leadership. Uh, and from there, I saw the need to help students. And so that whole piece about how do we become more diverse as higher ed institutions uh, and not only talk about diversity, but walk the talk. And so how do we set up um, our policies, our programs, our services, our hiring practices uh, and student recruitment practices to embrace the idea of diversity and then the idea of inclusivity, um, not just having people present but having them involved in decision-making processes. Uh, and so um, from that experience, I was recruited to Oakland University to start what's now called the Center for Multicultural Initiatives. Oakland, you know, um, had not had such an office that really focused on the experience of underrepresented students. And when I say underrepresented, back then we were primarily talking about African-American, Latinx students, Asian-American students in particular, as well as Native American students. And so um, at that time, I really wanted to focus academic success of those students. And so I worked a lot with academic deans uh, and faculty members, as well as support services in coming up with a, a process and a model that we could um, take a student, put them in that model, provide supports around them and help make them successful as students. Uh, and then uh, more recently, uh, I was serving as Vice President for Student Affairs, which includes about 23 
departments reporting to me. Uh, and when we um, hired a new president, Dr. Oral Hirsch Preskovich, early in her tenure, within the first, I think, 60 days, um, she called me up and I was on my way out of town. And she said, you know, I'm looking at our three strategic goals and they are student success, research, and community engagement. And she said, I think we need to add a fourth goal, diversity. And I said, you know, great. You know, it sounds good to me. You know, I'm with you. And she said, good, because I looked at your background and I think we need a chief diversity officer. And you have the experiences, the qualifications. And so will you consider being the chief diversity officer? And I embraced it. And what I enjoy about the position is that it affords me the opportunity to pull all the different people at the university uh, into what I call a diversity council, which consists of faculty, staff, students, and administrators. And so all the different groups on campus are represented. And so that body now has grown to about 35 people. And we really set strategy around DEI for the university. And the model that um, I kind of really initiated was based on experiences. And you remember when I talked about my journey, um, Lindsay, I talked about it as, you know, people and experiences that I had. And so I really try to capture this in the student experience, the faculty experience, and the staff experience. And how do we make those experiences for all people enriched with diversity, equity, and inclusion? And so some of the groups that we really focus in on um, are underrepresented groups, you know, which tend to be African-American, Latinx, Native American, Asian-American students, um, underrepresented groups, which would be um, veterans, women's, students with disabilities, um, and so an LGBTQ community. And so we really focus on, from those perspectives, those lenses, how do we make the experience around campus equitable and inclusive. And so we do a lot of programming, a lot of services, a lot of review and development of policies, procedures, and practices. And we look at, you know, where are we at? And so we're always assessing where are we at as far as representation in those different groups uh, and saying, can we do better? And how do we do better um, in our recruitment practices for faculty, staff, as well as students? Thank you for that. So you touched a lot on um, kind of the impact and the scope of all of these different areas and these organizations that have been put in place for DEI. Can you go in a little bit more specific about some of those initiatives that are at play right now at Oakland University? Mm -hmm. I, would, I would start off with the support services. We have a Center for Multicultural Initiatives and they offer um, programs to underrepresented students around academic support. And so they're networking constantly with um, academic advisory, tutoring services, and different leadership development organizations. Uh, and so what we're trying to do is really get them ingrained in the culture of the university, uh, really push them in becoming engaged with the university. Because as you, you guys know, once you're engaged, it allows you to realize the different supports available to you and you're more apt to stay at the institution, succeed, and finish the mission, which is to graduate. 
Uh, and so we're always doing those kind of programs. Um, we have a gender and sexuality center. And so we're working with our LGBTQ community. We're doing all type of programs. And actually this morning I sent out a, a campus-wide memo um, announcing that it's Pride Month. And so we have um, a number of programs. We're bringing in speakers. Uh, we have a drag show that we do and all those kind of things around fostering that envir environment of appreciation for um, differences and similarities because we're more similar than we are different. And I think when we get in the room and we start, you know, conversing, we realize, wow, we have more similarities than differences. Uh, and, and so we have an office. We have a veterans support services office. Um, our veterans community is increasing. Um, we're up now to around 750 veteran students. And so um, their experience is different from the typical student who has not served in the military branch. And so we're making sure their re-entry into um, higher education is one that's successful. And so we're doing every kind of social, emotional supports for those individuals because they've seen so much, particularly if they've served at wartime. And so we're making sure that VA benefits are in place. And so we're doing a lot. Uh, with our uh, women's center, we do a lot around um, supporting women and the different issues um, that we know um, happen in the college environment. Everything from awareness, sexual assault, you know, all those kind of issues. Um, empowering women for leadership, we do a lot on that uh, with our students, making sure that they're positioned to lead, you know. And obviously with having a, um, a woman president and now a woman provost, um, they're great role models. And so I'm constantly pulling them into the conversations and putting them in front of students, particularly our female students, and saying, look, our two highest positions at Oakland University are held by women. How powerful is that? And so, so we're doing a number of things like that. On the faculty side, we're looking at our hiring processes. Um, how can we do a better job of diversifying our pool um, when we have faculty positions open. Um, and so if you cast your net in a traditional way, you'll get the same kind of pool as you normally would. And so we're saying, how can we enter into those channels where we know we can diversify our candidate pool? And so um, we're, we're doing all kinds of things. We have postdocs uh, in the provost office now who are doing research around diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's really just a great time to be at Oakland University because we are so active. And I really don't take the credit. Um, it's driven by our diversity council. And again, that body of people, which is a cross representation of our university community, they are outstanding. And they push me to think bigger, bigger, and to get the resources so they can be innovative and creative. Thank you. It sounds like there's so many resources out there and students and even faculty can just do a little bit of digging and find what they need to for support and, you know, sharing that with their students and getting those experiences across a wide variety of mm -hmm. individuals. Yeah, a lot, you know, and I got to say that the credit union has been um, such an ally um, in, in total alignment, what we've been trying to do around DEI since I took this position um, as far as providing funding support, um, but actually understanding the, the need to avail themselves to experiences for students. And so when they hire our students, you know, again, it's just something that's an amazing experience uh, for our students to be connected with such an organization. 
uh, and it's just it's just powerful. And, and so I think the credit union for all that they do, um, you know, and have been doing since day one of me taking this position. Definitely. Well, and I love too, Glenn, that you're. It sounds like you all are constantly challenging yourselves, and that is amazing because it's allowing you to continue to grow in your current position and offer more initiatives for those students as well. So one thing I wanted to ask you about too is what does equity mean to you and what value do you think equity has in education? Um, I guess when you look at that word equity, it implies that the flip side of equity is inequities meaning that there's been an imbalance somewhere um, in our history, our approach, our systems, our processes, our laws. And so to me, equity means a balancing, a leveling off, um, that playing field being flattened so everyone has access to opportunities. And, and, and so I think when you talk about um, equity in higher education, it's making sure that every individual has access to higher education, but also we're making sure that some of the more systemic things that we know came with inequities, such as the disparities that we see um, in education quality um, in K through 12 systems, healthcare, um, those kind of things are, are very critical uh, to recognize as barriers to higher education. And so uh, we need to be um, part of that mission to create a more equitable society and equitable university. And so part of our mission is making sure, again, that we have programs and services in place to address some of those inequities. And, and, and I, you know, it comes down to one of the initiatives that the credit union has been involved with. It's our food pantry. Most people don't think of food deserts on a college campus. And so they don't see the need for a food pantry. But since we opened that food pantry, students have come out and availed themselves as in need of food. And so we have to think about the origins of that are the inequities that are somewhere in our society. Uh, and so it, it's programs like that um, that are necessary um, to create that equity in higher education, along with different scholarships and grant opportunities as well. Uh, and then on the um, academic side to ensure that those students who didn't have access to uh, a quality education at the K through 12 level, that we supplement that uh, with tutoring support services and advising services that is very, that are very engaging. That's great. That's fabulous, Glenn. And I really think that that is a great way that uh, Oakland University has been able to open up just a multitude of resources for those students thank you. with thank that you. initiative. Yes, so, you know, one, thank you for giving us that definition of equity and telling us about the different initiatives that exist within OU with, you know, flattening that baseline. Mm -hmm. Since you've come to be in this position of the chief diversity officer, what are some common misconceptions that may exist within the DEI field? I think that, is, that some people define it too narrowly. They go straight to the discussion of race. And as I mentioned, um, there's different layers um, to diversity. And so, as you can tell, we address them all from racial, ethnic, cultural, um, the gender, um, sexual orientation, military status. Uh, and so it's broader. And so it's broadened the discussions 
and there's a lot of intersexuality between um, those different groups that we talk about because the experiences are the same. Um, you know, in our LGBTQ community, that coming out experience is it, so daunting that sometimes it's, it's not safe to reveal who you are in your family uh, and get the kind of support. And, and so it's important that when we talk about DEI, that we realize that's kind of a similar experience to um, being ostracized because of race or because you're a woman. Someone looking at you and objectifying you because you're a female as opposed to realizing a man that has some outstanding skills, educational experiences that afford her the opportunity to lead at a higher and higher level. And so when we talk about DEI, I think people, you know, define it too narrowly. And I think people think that it's a, a lose-win game. If I open a door to access to different groups than the norm, the established norm per se, then I'm going to lose something. And that's not the case. What we find out more and more is that diversity, equity, and inclusion makes everyone better and opens up more doors. And, and I think in that DEI space, that's constantly what I'm educating people on, uh, is that when we talk about you know, advancing DEI, it involves everyone, but everyone wins when we have you know, DEI as part of our society. And I think, you know, you know Devante, I think what was um, so encouraging for me this summer was some of the social justice protests that were happening um, in our region and in our state and nationally, when I looked at who was participating, it was so diverse, you know, in every layer, it was diverse. And what was even more encouraging, it was young people, you know, really like three of you. It wasn't the people my age, you know, I'm, 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 I'm late fifties, but there was the younger people standing up and saying, I think you guys put a period in history which should have been a comma. And so we want to write the next part of that sentence, the next chapter, and we want to make it better than what you guys did on your watch. And for me, that's encouraging to see because you guys are emerging as leaders with a broader vision uh, and a more equitable vision than my generation ever had. And so I applaud what you guys are doing. I love it. Thank you for that. That feels inspiring. Yeah, you know, getting not don't get emotional, Devontae. That that's inspiring. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm just being. I'm just being honest, because Devontae, you know, I'm around students, you know, all the time. And when the students came to me, you know, in the spring and said we want to do a march in support of social justice on campus, and they said, you know. You know, VP Mac is going to be on a Sunday night. Uh, we know you're probably home, you know, in your smoking jacket and slippers. But if you got time, you know, come out. And so I came out. I didn't give any speeches. I just walked with them and listened to them. And I was inspired, you know, and I was learning, you know. And so I, I enjoyed the opportunity, you know, to have the privilege to be around young people uh, and embrace what they're teaching me. Well, thank you, Glenn. And I, I love that you're keeping that lens wide open and continuing to learn from that younger generation, as you said, because 
I feel like that's not everybody's case for sure. So I wanted to ask you too, how has your role as DEI director at OU changed over the years? And how does that compare from Mm -hmm. where you started? I think from where I started um, here at Oakland as, you know, the founder of the Center for Multicultural Initiatives is that back then we were talking more about access um, to higher education. And now we've, we've moved from not just simply access, but equity and inclusion. And we have a better understanding now that just because you have diversity doesn't mean you have equity and inclusion. And I think that has really filtered my lenses in the fact that now we need to dig deeper into the organization and find out are there any uh, systemic uh, institutional issues in our policies, our procedures, and our practices that really prevent us from being that inclusive community. Uh, And so as we discover those barriers, uh, we start to tear them down and replace them with systems, processes, practices that really afford the opportunity for us to be that community that we're inspired to be that's equitable and inclusive. And so I think that's been the, the major, you know, shift. And so that model of thinking has really evolved over time. Uh, And so we're not just counting bodies and saying we have, you know, X number of women. Um, The question now for me is to dig deeper into the organization and say, let's say we have women, but where are they in the organization? You know, how do we look in the C-suite, as I say, which is your senior level leadership? Are women represented at that level? When it comes to our faculty side, at that faculty level, are they adjunct professors? Are they full-time? Are they tenured? Uh, and so it, it makes a difference, you know. And so digging deeper into the organization, same thing with our students. You know, how are they doing uh, in the classroom? You know, what are their experiences like in our residence halls and in our student organization? And so it's that deeper dive that we have to continuously take into the organization and say, what's the real story that we don't see at a surface level? For sure. And I love that it's taking it that one step further and not just providing them a place, but a voice and meaning behind what it is that Mm -hmm, they're doing on campus as well. Um, So kind of a question that spurred from you sharing that you're digging deeper and looking into the policies and the systemic issues that are there. Um, For our listeners, how can we all encourage a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive space Um, for everyone? I think it's it's, it's being uh, aware. Um, And the most common challenge I give to audiences is that I say, you know, look at the five people you have the most contact with. How diverse is that group? And then we, we spread it out and say, okay, 20 people that you most frequently associate with in any environment, tell me about that group. You know, does it reflect diversity? You know, and if it does, let's go a little bit deeper there and say, do those individuals feel like they're living in an equitable society, an inclusive society? And if not, 
and they're in close proximity to you, I think you began to ask the question, how can I help? You know, what are the things you need as that person who feels like you're the outsider? You know, strange thing about it, when you position yourself like that, people begin to talk and tell you about their feelings and emotions and what their needs are. And so we don't have to assume. Um, and so I think that's one way we all, you know, can be more, you know, cognizant of how we live our life on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, again, like I told you, when I went off to college, I came from a pretty homogeneous environment. Uh, and so I was the majority, you know, in my high school. And when I went off to college, you know, I think at, at the institution I went, it may have been three or four percent, you know, minority. And to be frank with you, that was the first time I was labeled a minority. Um, and so with that came a lot of assumptions about me, uh, which I had to learn and then kind of overcome mentally uh, and show people that, you know, a lot of those stereotypes that we have about different groups um, are not true. And so I think we all can be champions in our own right, you know, towards making change happen, you know, in our proximity and in the broader society as well. So I, I appreciate that question. Yeah, thank you. I love that answer. I, I feel like I agree with you. It kind of starts within our really small communities first and what work can we do there and then extend that out and mm-hmm. make that yeah. spread further. Yeah. And again, going back to the summer, just the visuals, the optics of it. You know, I would leave campus and at the end of our campus, which is, you know, Rochester, I would see a group of people protesting and nobody out there was you know, African-American, Latinx, you know, but they knew something was wrong in society. And I live, live in Macomb, and so it's like every city that I would pass through, I would see some kind of protest. And it was representation of the people who live in that community. And some of those people probably never came in contact, you know, directly with people who were different than them or looked different than them. But it was the feeling and emotions that was a common denominator with people looking and saying, something's wrong here. And I can't sit on the sidelines any longer and just be a spectator. And so I'm getting in the game of being a change agent. And so, again, it was just a a beautiful summer from that perspective. All right. Well, thank you for that. And um, so that's all of our questions. Uh, Do you have anything you'd like to add or anything that our listeners can take away? Lindsay asked me, you know, my journey. And I think it's the, you know, as you get older, you start reflecting on your life uh, and you start asking questions. Has, Has my life, you know, made a difference? You know, and I think we all need to think from the end, you know, perspective. When we look back, we want to say it's not about what I took. It's about what I gave. And for me, when it comes to DEI, making everyone feel like they're valued, appreciated and included. It's where I want to live. And it's where if I have to die, you know, that's why I want to die on that sword saying I was working to make a difference for people. And so I just want to thank the three of you for everything that you're doing. Um, you guys are the emerging leaders to take my place and April's place and others. 
And so I'm just so proud of you to see you on this call today and just thank you for the opportunity to meet you and, and have a conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining us as well. Um, thank, thank you for the encouragement. Um, I feel pretty encouraged and uh, also lending your expertise to this conversation. And this has been, of course, both insightful and educational. So thank you for that. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you for teaching me a new technology. I'd never heard of this kind of technology before. <laughs> so, so, so Lindsay, Amanda, Devante, I'll never forget this experience. Now it's time for the CU Spotlight. MSU FCU and OU Credit Union have many products and services for our members. We have multiple checking, savings, and loan options. Our checking accounts have what you need. Whether you prefer no minimum balance or earning dividends, we have the perfect account for you. You'll enjoy surcharge-free access to over 30,000 ATMs nationwide. Near or far, we are wherever you are. Our checking accounts also include access to free direct deposit, free bill payment, and free access to your FICO credit score. We have a variety of dividend paying accounts from standard savings, money market, and certificates to fit all your needs. Our multiple loan options include personal loans, auto loans, mortgages, and multiple credit card offerings. From low interest rates to tiered benefits, we have the right product for you. If you'd like to find out more or become a member, please visit msufcu.org. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Amanda Kahn, Devante Montgomery, and me, Lindsay Morgan. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson Harrell and Lauren Kalarzik. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our credit union's website, financial48.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.